This is the Hospitality Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. Hospitality is a people industry. You don't want to take away that human element. You hire the kind of employee that's going to act like an owner, that's going to have that initiative. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Market Scale Hospitality Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure that you're subscribing wherever you're listening to your podcast content, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Make sure you're also heading to our website, marketscale.com slash industries. Not only will you get uh, great quality hospitality content, uh, including podcasts, articles, and videos, but a mix of other industry content as well. All right, let's jump into the main conversation for the episode today. So it's hard to avoid the pandemic we're facing, and I think this is true for all content creators. Everyone is uh, having to do their own spin on it, and the hospitality industry is no different. It's really one of the industry's hardest hit by COVID-19. Service industries are having to furlough a lot of workers. People aren't traveling. People aren't engaging in tourism It's not only a safety risk, but it just doesn't make a lot of financial sense for a lot of people anymore. So on today's episode, we're doing a quick update on the impacts of the pandemic on hoteliers and the hospitality industry as a whole, really unpacking what the issues are for professionals within the industry and how to get out the other end intact. For perspective, we are speaking with Dmitry Koltanov, co-founder and CTO of Alice. Dimitri, great to have you on. How are you doing? Great to, great to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's an interesting time, I think, for it sure all is. industries, but especially for the hospitality industry. Yeah. How are you holding up personally? Making it through okay? Yeah. You know, I'm an entrepreneur, and uh, I think one of our uh, one of our traits is uh, unyielding optimism. So I think that uh, while there is a lot of challenges ahead, I think there's also a lot of opportunities ahead for for companies and, and people that are able to kind of take it head on. And so I uh, want to fully acknowledge we're in tough times. I think we're going to remain in tough times, but I think there's also always a silver lining to any tough time. And that's where I'm focusing. So to get some context for our listening audience, um, give us perspective on where you come from in the hospitality industry. What is your experience? And um, I guess, how is that setting you up to deal with the current pandemic uniquely? Yeah, so uh, personally, I'm I'm the CTO and co-founder of Alice. And I actually came from tech about seven years ago, I decided to, to leave about a decade-long career in, in financial technology and try an industry that was a lot more human-centric. And I can't think of an industry that's more human-centric than hospitality. And so I started this company with uh, two colleagues, just Alex, with the idea that we wanted to help hotels deliver hospitality. And as we dove into how hotels delivered hospitality, we saw that there were a lot of opportunities for technology to improve the experience, not necessarily to get in the middle of a a hotel guest and hotel staff, but actually to facilitate the guest and staff communication and the staff to staff communication. 
And so we started to bring in a lot of the mobile technology and kind of real-time communication that was already available in other industries and help hotels work as a unit to address the needs of their guests. If you look at how a hotel operates generally, uh, it's a, a number of departments that are all serving a common purpose, which is this hospitality experience, but they typically don't work with each other. There's not as much collaboration at, as would be ideal. And so internally, they might use pen and paper, radio, uh, they might use systems built just for maintenance or just for housekeeping or just uh, for, for the concierge or the front desk. But there wasn't really, when we came in at all, this unified way of saying one guest, one staff, let's all work together. And so over the last seven years, we've built out a platform that brought every staff member of the hotel into one place, created specific tools that they needed in order to be able to get their job done, and then connected them to the guest through things like guest messaging, et cetera. And so it's how you get your towels delivered. It's how the front desk tells you that uh, your room is ready. It's how the maintenance person fixes the light bulb, how the housekeeper is uh, is doing your turndown service, how the uh, security person is tracking your lost and found and, and accepting your packages, et cetera, et cetera. Every staff member has work to do. And before Alice, everyone was doing it in their own way, some offline, some online. And our vision is really this unified platform where everyone can do their best work. And since getting involved um, in that B2B side of the industry, what have been some of the kind of general pains that you've seen uh, hoteliers face besides this new one of the pandemic, right? So during the normal times, whatever we're going to yeah. call the period before this, <laughs> like what were hoteliers uh, really struggling with in offering that quality hospitality service and uh, how was that actually impacting not only day-to-day operations but yeah you know retention of the workforce and bottom line financials all that good stuff yeah so in the days of your in bp before pandemic (laughs) right (laughs) so i think uh hotels have an incredible control on creating consistency of experience by putting people at it and where where a lot of hotels were struggling is they know so much about you before you get into the hotel because actually the the booking part of the industry has just catapulted right uh, the online travel agencies like like Expedia or booking they were in the early 2000s uh and then bringing hotels into like a CRM system, knowing about their guests, have loyalty programs, all that stuff's moved really, really far. But once you buy the room, the hotels knows really, really little about you. We've talked to hotels that, that had this amazing profile about every single guest and nothing about their activity once they get to the hotel, which doesn't really make a tremendous amount of sense if you looked at it objectively, the whole point of a hotel is to deliver on an experience, not to just sell you the experience. And so there's a tremendous amount of focus right now, and there had been, on how do we make sure that the person who's buying a room is very clear on the room, the expectations. But once they get there, it's not as consistent. Hotels have generally thrown these at it. So we're going to put a lot of staff to make up for whatever happens. But those bodies weren't always in perfect communication. And if you think about 
a hotel experience, it's a home away from home. And you're going for one of two reasons, really. Either it's either a leisure thing, where you're either, you know by yourself with with friends, with family, with your spouse, or going for business. And in any of those modes, you have certain expectations. And when those expectations don't come through, then it kind of eats at the main objective of why you're taking the trip. So I remember talking to a hotelier uh, who was running a Vegas hotel. And uh, they told me the story. It was like, how much do you think a towel is worth? And I was like, I don't know, like $5? <laughs> he said, he said, what if I told you, told you it was thousands of dollars? Like, what do you mean? It's like, well, there was this family that uh, was a part of our high, low, high roller suite. And they came in and they were, they were doing this really big celebration. And they had reservations for dinner. Uh, so they called downstairs. There was a whole family. They didn't have towels ready. And they needed towels in order for everyone to take a shower. Our, uh, our hotel was slammed. And so we were trying to get them this, but then a bunch of emergencies happened and we just dropped the ball. We didn't get them the towels. And 30 minutes passed, 45 minutes passed. And in that time, the family's not taking a shower, which means they're all stressed out. They start arguing. They get into a huge fight. Dinner gets canceled. And now the whole point of the trip is ruined. They were paying $10,000 a night and we had to refund them Oof. for three nights. So, so a towel cost $30,000. Wow. Yeah. And so it's all about getting people in that kind of domino effect mindset that it's not really about the like the physical cost of getting that towel Absolutely. to the guest. It's about what could this potentially imply for their entire experience and you know w right will it will it ripple into well maybe they give us three stars instead of four stars on their rating or maybe they leave yes. prematurely yes. and we have to refund their entire visit we yeah. spend so much time getting people into the hotel that it's much easier to have to have them have the experience um there's there's this really uh interesting theory out there called uh, the big purchase versus little purchase that uh, Clayton Christensen talked about in his in his book competing against luck he says we always buy products twice the big purchase is when we give the money and the little purchase is when we have the experience and so we like to look at hotels as having two discrete purchasings the first purchase is when you go online and you and you buy that room that's the big purchase the little purchase is when you get into the room and do you do you get what you expected and that doesn't stop at entering the room and seeing it be clean. When you bought a $10,000 a night room in Vegas, you expected everything to be taken care of. You're probably hyper-stressed and you wanna feel comfortable. You wanna feel like everything is under control. And little things like, like towels or plans, they all need to come together because that's what we're paying for. We're paying for the experience. We're paying for those details. We're paying for everything to be thought of. Anyone that's ever had a wedding or an anniversary knows how important these details are. And it is not necessarily the cost of the details, but it's what they represent and the calm and the relaxation that we get from having them work out the way that we hoped. And that's what we do. We are a fulfillment assurance provider. And that is why the hotelier said, I want to work with you because I want to make sure that we are tracking every single thing. And when that towel doesn't get delivered within seven minutes, I get, an, I get a call 
from the system telling me we haven't followed through on a promise. And no matter how many people you throw at it, it's very hard for us in in the kind of the throes of uh, of our work to, to to keep in mind every single detail. And some people are better at it than others. And so the best way to do that is whenever something needs to get done, you don't just do it based on memory. You actually put it into a system and you have the system remind you if it doesn't get done within a certain amount of time. And those kind of fulfillment needs still exist even when you have zero guests in the building. And that is what a lot of hoteliers are facing now during this COVID-19 pandemic. So let's shift over and and get a little more present day. Um, What is the current state of the hospitality industry during this pandemic? I mean, clearly, um, hotels are are running nowhere close to capacity. Uh, I mean, in many instances, there are no guests. People are not traveling. They're not um, engaging in classic local tourism or uh, broader interstate or international tourism. What are some of those workforce implications, financial implications, long-term business implications? Um, Yeah, give us a broad overview, and then we'll get into more of the specific um, uh, similar needs that still exist. Yeah, so it's a... So just for context, Alice is over 2,000 hotels, more than 50% of the top Forbes hotels use Alice. So we have a really wide and global customer base. Um, and so we've, we've uh, been fortunate enough to have a lot of conversations with properties about what's going on. Um, and the thing that sticks out the most to me is that everyone says in one way or another, we are in uncharted waters. We've never seen something like this before. Um, now, what's happening is that there's some hotels are under low occupancy, some hotels are closed to guests, and some hotels are actually fully shut down, as in somebody comes in once in a while to check, and it becomes a rolling thing. And the sad thing why we are in uncharted waters is we're talking about hotels that didn't close during wars, that didn't close during you know plagues, and. Right now, it's this strange situation where some hotels are closing because they have to, right? It's a a government mandate. But going back to the earlier things, people generally travel for leisure or for business. You always have like the other category, like government or maybe like um, someone's on on some sort of a trip. But the predominant business is really from leisure and business. And neither of those things are really happening right now. People aren't taking vacations and people aren't traveling for work because of uh, the the social distancing thing. And so we're having hotels that have never closed have to start closing. So essentially what happens is you have hotels that have really just been uh, operating under, we either run at full capacity or partial capacity, and they have to come up with the processes that seasonal hotels have. Because a seasonal hotel will close for the season and then they'll come back. So they know exactly what to do in order to wind down and to how to wind back up. And there's all these SOPs around that. But what happened with, uh, with, this, with this pandemic is very quickly, hotels had to turn into seasonal hotels. And we found many reaching out to us saying, we don't actually know what to do. We don't have processes for this. And to make it worse, where we had 200 staff, now we have five. So the issue with all of that is this will be over. At some point, everything's going to come back. The sun will shine. We will start traveling again. Traveling is the oldest industry. 
we've been going to hotels, you know, for 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 for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, it, you know, the, the inns are in Shakespeare plays. Like, like the hotel industry isn't going anywhere. The question is, when can we start going back? And because nobody knows that, there is this very strange time of saying, well, we need to close down, but not forever. We need to close down so we can open back up again at the time that it feels better. And so when we talk about what to do and 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 fulfillment, et cetera, Fulfillment still needs to happen in a completely different way. Now, we need to know how to close actively and how to maintain while being closed in order to reopen effectively. Because if you don't do the right things at, at the right times, you start to get into a lot of trouble when you reopen. You start to eat a lot of energy costs. Your equipment lifespan might go down. You might be paying operating expenses that don't need to be paid because you haven't canceled with your vendors. You might have a skeleton crew that doesn't actually know how to run the basics at a hotel, and they might be getting your systems into a weird state, or your rooms may not be kept up the same way. Your hygiene might be messed up because you forgot to close the windows and ants get in, or you might have a vermin infestation. Your staff areas may not be cleaned the way that they need to, Right, and so that actually might lead to staff getting sick. Um, and if you fully shut down, how do you protect against vandalism? How do you, uh, how often should you be checking? How do you know that nothing's happening? Uh, we heard a story, funny, of this hotel that 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 took uh, a month off to do some maintenance, and they never had anyone patrol their their passenger vans. And after a month, they went into the vans and they realized people just took up homes there. And it became a, a, a micro motel, right? So now the vans are all messed up. Um, and end of the day, whether you're going from a hundred staff to ten or to five, you still need to justify what the staff is doing. And so the the hotels are asking, how can we make sure that we have the right amount of staff doing the right kind of work? Because it's really hard to keep staff in a hotel when guests cannot go to the hotel. So how are they grappling with the unfortunate dynamic that as they do close and um, and there are less needs for less workers, people are going to be, I guess, you know, unemployed in some capacity. Uh, furloughed is obviously a better option. There's still some benefits that happen there, but there are a lot of contract and subcontract workers within um the hospitality industry that aren't directly employed by a hotel chain, um, you know, what happens to them? I, I guess, how is the workforce being impacted? What are some of the areas where you're seeing um, hoteliers, you know, go out of their way to make sure workers are supported during this time? Uh, where are some unfortunate realities where workers are not being supported and there's just nothing that folks think they can do about it? I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on yeah, the yeah. workforce implications? I mean, like it's, it's a great question, and it comes down to where in the phases of occupancy you are. So uh, the big picture is exactly as you said. There is a combination of furloughs and layoffs, and you know we, we've seen from from the huge uh, furlough announcements from Marriott, right? Um, the really emotional um, message that Arnie from Marriott gave. But there's there's a bunch of these different options that all relate to where the hotel is in its life cycle. So we broke down 
the this kind of non-normal world into seven phases. So like phase one is you're maintaining low occupancy. At that point, you you do have the same type of staff, but you just have less of them. So you might have one housekeeper, one front desk agent, one concierge, and the rest are furloughed. Then uh, you decide at some point that there are no guests that can come. There are a number of states that just ask the hotels to close. And so you're becoming temporary closed to guests. So you may be keeping 10, 15, some, some hotels are keeping 50 staff. And at that point, it's a two to four week process where you're taking floors offline, uh, you're taking the public areas offline, et cetera, so that you get into a position where you're maintaining while close to guests. So when you're maintaining while close to guests, the hotel is still operational, but it's not there to be guest centric. So none of the guest activities are happening, but you're still having staff that are coming and doing reservations, maybe doing some maintenance projects. So you might have a kitchen still open and still cooking for the staff, but it's really about maintaining the operation rather than maintaining something for the guests. At some point though, some hotels are just unable to financially bear that. And so they decide to fully shut down the hotel. And so there's a two to four week shutdown period at which point your maintenance people, your housekeepers might be stripping the area. They're, they're going to be taking the pool out of service. Um, they're going to be taking uh, your outside's exterior out of service. They're going to be shutting down your physical plant, doing a bunch of financial checks. So once that's done, then you get into a really skeleton crew. Uh, you, when you're fully shut down, you might have two people. Uh, maybe there's a security that goes, walks around and makes sure that the hotel is in good shape. And you might after also have a maintenance person that comes in and does some basic weekly checks, monthly checks, quarterly checks, the stuff that I talked about that vermin aren't getting in, that ants aren't getting in, humidity is okay, your core systems, your HVACs are fine. And you kind of sit there until there's a there, there's the time to reopen. Some hotels are planning to reopen uh, end of May, some end of June, some end of July. We work globally. And so for instance, in China, we're getting between 20 to 30% occupancy uh, by the end of the month. So they're back to kind of low occupancy, but then in parts of the US, Mexico just closed down for two months. So it's kind of all over the place. People are going through these, these phases. And so after you decide that you're gonna reopen, you have to reopen the full property. So you're bringing all the things online. So you're bringing going from two staff, maybe up to five to 10, uh, maybe even a little bit more. You're bringing all your systems back. You're checking that, that the staff areas are safe. And then you start to fully reopen to guests where you're bringing your, your full staff back uh, or, or at least a significant amount of it because a ton of work, work has to be done. Preparing your kitchen, preparing your restaurant, preparing your bar, returning your floors, wings, buildings, uh, preparing laundry, et cetera, and all the way out to uh, getting a, a reopening party. So as you kind of go from locking close to guests to temporary down to shutting down, you're getting less and less staff. And then when you go and shut down back into opening the property for staff to reopening the property for guests, uh, then you start to build back up. And so far, outside of China, uh, we have not seen uh, hotels go back into reopening. Uh, they're, they're at various levels of maintaining low occupancy, uh, maintaining close to guests, or uh, a number have already fully shut down. Based on the numbers we've seen, if you're interested in kind of 
uh, some directional statistics. Uh, we're seeing of the survey that we did about uh, 37% have been operating with low occupancy. Um, although I feel like that's probably higher than, than what the industry would show. Uh, then 18% were beginning to shut down for guests. 9% uh, were operating while close to guests. 21% were temporarily shutting down the hotel and 16% were already shut down. Now, I suspect that that number is gonna shift more into the later phases over the next two to four weeks because there's just a mandate to not travel. But we'll have to see where each region starts to recover. We talked to some of the folks out in China and the way that they're recovering, I think, is a nice blueprint, which is they open up the city, then they open up the region, then they open up cross regions, then they'll open up the full country, and then they'll open up internationally. And so I think that that's a logical way that we might see it play out here, which is you know, certain cities might start to to, to, to open up or, or, or states, uh, but the international travel, I think is gonna take a little bit longer to return until everyone can get really comfortable with uh, either testing or um, some sort of a treatment, et cetera. And in that time, when people start opening up, it's gonna be really about sanitization, which is, which is very interesting because this is something that hotels have have done, but but never in a systematic way that it's going to have to be after this. And I don't know if that's going to be forever, but certainly for some time, hotels will need to provide guests the security that they're staying in a place that is being kept in a in, in the highest of standards, and that there isn't an opportunity for them to get sick. And so I think. It, China, again, is doing something interesting there. Hotels are certifying themselves as safe, and they're publishing that in their, uh, in their online booking channels. You can search by hotels that have been self-certified as safe, and that's where technology, like operational technology, not to deliver a towel, but to make sure that you cleaned five times a day. And here's proof that you've cleaned five times a day. Here's the person that did it, and maybe even pictures of the things that they did. I think we're going to see hotels shift into much more of a systematic monitoring that all the hygienic checks are are happening exactly as they've been planned because there's just a higher risk profile if they don't. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is that even if a hotel is 100% shuttered, um, like you said, there are still the same communication issues or oversight issues whether or not uh you know you're operating at full capacity if your hotel um doesn't have the infrastructure for proper oversight for everything as simple as making sure that that one guest in that one suite gets a towel on time um you know making sure your hotel is ready for a reopen post covid-19 is also going to be a massive headache and one that could actually, uh, you know, materially affect people's like well-being and their health. So I know Alice launched a free COVID-19 checklist software that reflects some of your broader solutions that you give to the industry, but aims to, you know, with a free platform, support hoteliers during this time. Um, what was your, uh, you know, mindset behind launching this 
checklist? What are some of the um, main health concerns that hoteliers are needing to um, address before they reopen? And why a free platform? Why free is really simple. We, we want this industry to thrive. We are part of this industry and we realize that everyone's really hurting right now. And so we got together with the executive team and said, what can we do? And, and we're, we're technology people. And so the thing that we can offer is technology. So then the next question was, well, how can technology help at a time like this? And Alice fundamentally is a fulfillment engine, whether you're delivering towels or making sure that you're doing the right preventative maintenance or, or making sure that you're, you're recurringly checking that a certain area is not being vandalized. It's all basically a task that needs to get done on a certain day with certain steps that need to be checked off. And what we saw was that hotels had trouble understanding what exactly to do, or they knew, but they wanted to be reminded and they wanted to be comprehensive and thorough. So the first thing that we did is we paired up with uh, with a couple of industry experts as well as our internal team. Uh, our, our team's about 130 people, but uh, but of those over 50 are experienced hoteliers that have uh, opened the best hotels in the world and worked in every single market. So we all got together and said, what are the tasks that need to get done? What are the checklists? What are the SOPs? And we looked at what the industry was uh, providing. And unfortunately, it was pretty light. So there, there's, you know, Marriott sent out some stuff, Wyndham sent out some stuff, and they were good, but they were all under 10 pages, right? And so if you're thinking about these seven phases, it's probably more complex than what these 10 pages are. Those 10 pages are right, but there's more detail. And so the first thing that we did is we created over 100 pages of, uh, of standard operating procedures. So we have 140 tasks and, and 14, 1,400 checklist items that we felt uh, split up across these seven phases. But we're a digital platform because we believe that it doesn't actually uh, make as much sense to look at a piece of paper and check things off. We need to be able to to track things, report on them, be able to analyze what has been done, what has not been done, give owners visibility who are not at the property about what's actually happening. And so rather than you know, provide this as a paper thing and another email, we uploaded this into Alice and took our infrastructure that, that does really broad service delivery and focused it to just provide checklists. So the free, the free product that we created is basically recovery software where you, know, you get you, these this this 140 uh, SOPs, um, you have these 1,400 uh, checklist items. Oh, actually, sorry, it's 190 SOP. Uh, so, checklists, uh, 1,400 checklist items. You get that loaded in, and it's a single user. Uh, it's a completely like standalone uh, product. So even uh, even hotels that have been using Alice already get a separate login, and they have both a mobile interface as well as a web interface. And then they can go in and schedule tasks, either one time or recurring, and go around the property and take care of them, add comments, et cetera. And then there's a reporting functionality that lets you see what was done. And we think that that's actually the most important thing to reopen effectively. Because what you don't want to do is shut down your property and then come back a month later and have to do a, a reassessment of what needs to get done. And by by maintaining the property to good, in good shape, and we've actually had hotels that reached out to us that have already closed, 
because they wanted to go through our checklists to make sure that the right things were getting done after the fact. So yeah, there's no more guests, but did we take the floors out of service appropriately? Did we take the rooms out of service appropriately? Because remember, many hotels don't have the, the know-how for that because they're not seasonal hotels. And we brought in people that have worked at seasonal hotels and have put these SOPs together, which is why this is like a really powerful thing. But the story that I like to kind of big picture tell on this is uh, airlines had a huge problem uh, with going from two to four engine uh, jets. And it, it was uh, not allowed because no matter how good the pilots were, many would crash or many would, would, would explode even before taking off. And the reason was it was really complicated to run a four engine plane and you had to do all these uh, delicate steps in the right sequence. And so in every cockpit of an airplane is a checklist. It's a digital checklist. It's built into their dashboard. When they take off, they check things one by one. These are people that are experts. They've had 10,000 hours of flight, but they're also sometimes stressed, sometimes lower on sleep. And they want to make sure that nothing is ever missed. And so that's what we want to offer to the, to the hotel staff. They know how to do their job, uh, but it would be helpful to give them a reminder and a recurring reminder so that it's really clear what was done and what was not done. All right. To wrap up the conversation, um, I want to do a little forward thinking here. How do you think the industry is going to adapt and shift coming out of this pandemic? Because there are a lot of industries that are trying to lean digital and are trying to build out their digital infrastructures uh, to survive in the short term. Um, a lot of the event and the events industry is doing that, um, you know, continuing with conferences and trade shows, all with mobile um, platforms. It, hotels don't really have that luxury because it is all about the in-person experience. So the short-term strategy and the long-term strategy and where digital infrastructure plays into that is very different. But are you seeing digital infrastructure be rolled out? Maybe similar to you know the checklist software that Alice is pushing out, um, but just at a broader level, are you seeing that support any short-term or long-term changes for the industry? And what do you think is going to just be radically different about the hospitality industry once things go back to normal? What can we not put back in the box? Yeah, so it's a great question. And it's just uh, one opinion. Uh, I think that over the next few months, people are going to get very comfortable with digital communication in a way that's much more business centric. We're no longer having physical meetings. Um, a lot of the stuff is either video or, or text, et cetera. And I think that it's just going to become more important for hotels to have a digital communication strategy, not only when you're booking that kind of big purchase, but when you're staying that little purchase. So one of the things I can see happening a lot more is messaging becomes a more critical part of a hotel strategy, but not only messaging, but fulfillment of that messaging. So if I ask for something, I want to make sure that it's going to get done. So it's one of the things that, that we built, which is combining messaging with tasks and fulfillment. I think the, the trend on being able to check in without having to stand in line is going to be the first thing that comes back early. Because until we get all, the whole health 
situation fully under wraps, we're still going to want to have some sort of distancing. So being able to check into your hotel room without having to stand in a line and being around too many people is going to be a pro. So hotels that can do that uh, will, will probably get ahead. Being able to deliver things uh, without without speaking uh, is, is going to be helpful as well. If I can just use my phone it, to, to text something and get it delivered would be great. But also being a whole lot more diligent about the work that's getting done. But I think that when we get back into occupancy, it will be on the hotel to prove cleanliness. And the best way to prove cleanliness is to have a set of tasks that happen on a recurring basis and be able to point to a report and say, look, we did this at five, six, seven, eight, and when it doesn't happen at nine, to get an alert. Now that will bring a significant level of comfort to the guests. And that will also allow hotels to realize how to operate better. Like one anecdote is we had a hotel uh, chain out in Mexico that's, that's using Alice to maintain their entire operation. They took all of their SOPs from how the GMs interact all the way down to how the concierge do their job and, um, and how the, the, the housekeeping staff, the service delivery, everything. And it's all in Alice being monitored. Um, they pushed that all into a data warehouse and they analyzed every morning, what is the fulfillment rate? And they found that hotels that complete their tasks more often than not have higher guest satisfaction scores, which is not surprising, right? That the hotel chain created standard operating procedures because that's what they wanted to do. Um, and now they're fulfilling them. And then their ADRs go up because they're able to charge more because guests are happier. So I think what's going to happen after COVID is that hotels will start adopting some of this technology and the ones that can really make it a part of their DNA, not just something that is there for the net, for for a few months that that helps them get out of it, but something that they can show that look, we're following through on all the sanitation stuff. You can watch that in real time. We're speaking to our guests. We're doing that in real time. But we're also making sure that anything that you ask for is getting done and is getting done consistently. I think it'll allow for this this kind of need for service to drive technology adoption, which which will allow certain hotels to thrive because people are gonna first go to the ones, to the places that they trust, which will be the places that can fulfill in a more um, in a more consistent way. If you look at two hotels, one is a beautiful hotel, historic site. And uh, we look at a second hotel that's maybe not as beautiful, not as historic. They're, they're similarly priced. Um, you would probably go to the beautiful hotel, but if the beautiful hotel isn't feeling safe, you don't think that they're going to be able to provide you with as much consistency, you would actually go to the less beautiful hotel. And so I think at least for the short term and the medium term, consumer behavior will start shifting away from just the sentiment of being in a place uh, to the, the safety of being in a place. And in the time of, of uh, COVID, safety is really going to be directly correlated to being able to execute standard operating procedures. And then once the cat is out of the bag, like once you have that, how do you use that going forward? Do you use that to secure your guests and to provide unparalleled experience? Or do you just say, okay, now that we got out of this, let's go back to operating with just people doing their best to remember what happened. And I don't think those hotels would do as well. Yeah, there really isn't a let's return 
you know, let's just get back to normal because I think normal is gone. I think even whatever normal it's looks a new like. Normal. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. right. And it's not it, it, bad. It's it's good. It's like we we will. It, the whole point is when we say we do something, we will do it. That's all this is, right? Technology just helps you follow through on the stuff that you said you intended to do. It's an awesome thing. It's a gr- it's great for the guests, right? It's just it's just painful to adopt. But I do hope that this is the time to create a new normal, which is actually what, what was I was saying. The silver lining is that this will improve service. This will improve hospitality. This will improve how everything runs. And I think it'll bode really well for the industry. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Dmitry Koltanov, co-founder and CTO of Alice. Any final thoughts before we uh, close the page on this podcast chapter? We really feel for all of our hotel partners. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really tough time in the industry. Uh, and uh, feel for all the staff that aren't able to return to work because one of the things that I found that's the most inspiring is people that do hospitality are just incredible people. They truly join the industry because they care about helping and they care about having a good experience. And a part of them being at home is they're not able to help others. I think that that's tough for them as well. And so um, you know, we, we hear you out there and uh, we hope that we can all get back to work as soon as possible. All right, Dimitri Koltanov, thank you for joining us again. Looking forward to chatting again in the future. Appreciate your insights. Take care. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Hospitality Podcast brought to you by MarketScale. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure you're heading to marketscale.com industries. There you can subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from a variety of different industries, not just hospitality. Make sure you're also subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and make sure you're leaving a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.